cliffcentral.com. All right, well, we've got to get to Dr. Hanan in the next couple of minutes. So if you've got a question about something that's happening in your relationships, because that's usually where people like to go with Dr. Hanan, your relationship, maybe there's a problem, there's some sort of complication, you don't know what to do, you need some good advice, you need someone who's really, really objective and smart, <clears throat> a third voice you know, to kind of guide you in the right direction and make your life and your relationships a bit better. This is your chance. You can get hold of Dr. Hanan Bushkin right now. And trust me, if you try to get an appointment with this man, you are, <clears throat> you're not going to get it. It's not going to happen. So this is your only chance of getting him. So uh, are you ready? Uh, Leanne and Bakabantu, you guys ready for this? I am ready. I, I, I've been watching um, uh, quite an old uh, series called In Treatment. I don't know if you know this about, about this doc. Um, it, it was from about 2008 um, and ran for, I think, two seasons. And then there was some kind of comeback later on with a different main person. But it's it's a very interestingly filmed. And it's like they used to air four shows a week. And it was according to the days of the week when this therapist had, um, you know, his patients come in. And so you'd follow their sessions. But it was obviously all made up. It was fictional but um it was what was really interesting is how the psychologist needs a psychologist as well that for me was interesting because then they they obviously film him going to his psychologist um and and what do you talk about there you talk about your own patients um yeah so it's just interesting to know that you how does that as a, yeah how, and and is that something that you do <clears throat> what are the rules so, so, around that? I mean, like you can so talk about cases. Mm, for sure. I mean, look, the ultimately you want to have somebody outside of yourself to mm. calibrate you. You know, one one of the biggest mistakes, and we should actually uh, be talking about this as a general concept because it's very important. The number one mistake that people make is they rely on themselves to calibrate themselves. So. I don't know. I can't remember whether I've mentioned this on the show before, but my brother's a pilot and my brother told me this, that pilots are trained to never trust their feelings when they fly. And the reason why is because feelings lie to you all day long. And actually, we've discussed this many times that you should never trust your feelings to calibrate you, because if you trust your feelings, they'll naturally gaslight you. So when your feelings tell you you should do X, how do you know? How do you know that's true? And especially when I do um, workshops specifically for women and I go, don't trust your feelings, don't trust your gut, um, especially women, I see these these daggers coming at me because women are socialized, especially women socialized to believe that trust your instincts, trust your gut, trust your womanly's uh, feelings. Mm. And, um, and in reality, I turn back and I say, what are feelings? Feelings change with a cup of coffee. Feelings change with a good night's sleep. Feelings change with a good phone call. Feelings change with the weather. So what are you really trusting? So you should never trust your own feelings to calibrate you, to turn, tell you where to turn, whether it's left or right or do X or do Y, because sometimes what feels good is quite bad for you and what feels bad is quite good for you. So going back to therapy, you can't calibrate yourself going, well, am, am I doing the right or wrong thing? So you always want to lean on somebody that's qualified, somebody that's objective, somebody that's reliable and valid to calibrate you and guide you in the right or the wrong direction. It's Ooh. it's interesting because in this show, in treatment, um, the one of his patients is a military fighter pilot, 
and um, he has just recently bombed um, an area that he targeted so well, but unfortunately found out afterwards that it was filled with innocent people. Um, and this pilot says to himself to, to the therapist, all my life I've been taught that something called vertigo means as a pilot that once you've taken off, you rely only on your instruments because you can fool your brain can fool you into believing absolutely anything. You could be upside down and not know it. Um, right. So that, that point exactly. And the therapist draws from there. Yeah, that's 100% correct. So what naturally happens, by the way, and this will be interesting too, is that we rely on other people to calibrate us. So we lean on the most credible source of calibration. So I'll give you an analogy. Imagine you're on, at the back of a flight and the flight is spinning. And naturally, I want the captain to calibrate me, to, to let me know minute by minute what's going on, air pocket we find, turbulence we're okay. So the captain yeah. calibrates. But if the captain doesn't come on the flight, on the mic, then I will lean on the on a less uh, credible form of calibration. So I'll lean on the aerostess. Uh, sorry, what's going on? And she might or might not calibrate. If she doesn't calibrate me, I'll lean on a lesser source. So that would be maybe the person next to me. Did you hear that? Did you see that? And if this person doesn't calibrate me, then I'll lean on myself. And that's when I fall apart. So we always just kind of degrade the level of calibration until we lean on ourselves and then we just gaslight ourselves. Wow, that's a, that's a scary thought that people are gaslighting. <laughs> just now that, you know, you, you trust your feelings last. I mean, that's like, that's your last. A hundred percent. And you shouldn't. And you, and you still shouldn't. And you still shouldn't. So well, people go, what should you trust? Well, trust other people that are valid and reliable or trust your goals and measurement. That's what you should trust. You, should, you shouldn't trust your feelings. Oh, there are going to be a lot of people very pissed off with you about that because some people <laughs> live. And there's a lot of feelings. people that hate me for that, for like, oh, feelings don't matter, like facts yeah. matter, yeah. but hey. Well, well, like the song goes, it's more than a feeling. <laughs> no, <laughs> they were right. Here's a question. Um, a platonic relationship, how do you navigate a friendship with someone when you don't get along with them, with their partner? That's interesting. I mean, we yeah. all have, we all have a friend who's been dating somebody that nobody can stand. I mean, everybody has one of those in their lives at least once. Uh, how do you how do you manage that? How do you navigate that? As uh, Zamatwana Twama says. So the rule, guys, is the more complicated and conflictual a potential relationship is, the more specific you want the rules of the relationship to be determined beforehand. So. A relationship is played, and we've discussed this multiple times, a relationship is played well when the rules are clearly defined and followed. So if I turn to you guys and I say, let's play a game, and the winner gets X, the loser gets Y, okay, go, you start. Naturally, you'd be, uh, what I, I, I'm, uh, I, I, I feel very anxious about it because I don't know what the rules of the game are. But the moment I say to you, let's play Uno, let's play chess, suddenly the rules are quite clear, and we can have a good game. And relationships are no different. Relationships are based on rules. What I'm allowed to do, what you're allowed to do. What are the consequences if we don't adhere by the rules? What are the rewards if we do adhere by the rules? So you want to make sure that the rules are clear, especially when there's a partner that you feel is not, um, it comes in between the relationship and makes it more difficult. So do we see each other one-on-one? How do we include the partners? What do we say or what do we do when the partner is there? So um, you want to discuss the rules very, very specifically. All right. I think that's handy. Um, mm -hmm. I also think 
probably for a lot of people, it's it's prioritizing. Like, you know, you also don't want friends getting in the way of a good relationship because there could be friends who are, for their own selfish reasons, um, opposed to a relationship. But actually, it's the relationship you probably need and maybe the friend that you don't. How do you know that? Yeah, well, ask yourself, is this the right person to calibrate me? So if I have a fight with my wife and I go lean on my best friend um, who, for advice, and this particular best friend has been divorced four times, cheated on every single one of his partners, and he's loving single life, he's naturally going to gaslight me. He's naturally going to tell me how terrible my marriage is and how wonderful it is to be single. So you want to be, you want to make sure it's, you lean, I, I want to be sure that I lean on my mechanic, not for my medical advice, and I lean on my doctor, not for my car advice. So you want to make sure that you're leaning on the right person to calibrate you. All right. See, there has a question, and I think this is probably one that a lot of people will have. Uh, morning, Doc and team. How do you foster a relationship with an estranged parent? Growing up as a child, I was told I don't call my dad enough. And this was always confusing because I was, I am the child. Yeah. Um, it's, such a, it's such a complex question um, and a very good one. But how many times have I said relationships work when you put people in the right box? The problem with a parent is it's such a comprehensive, um, complete box that really includes everything. Ask yourself, what kind of relationship can my parent give me? And what kind of relationship can I give my parent? And can we meet somewhere halfway? So if your strange father is only limited in his capacity to, maybe you have children, he's limited in his capacity to be a grandfather. Maybe he's limited in terms of uh, what he's prepared and he's consist to give to you and his consistency. Uh, maybe he's limited in terms of who, well, I don't know if he's still married to your mom or maybe somebody else. So what are the limitations and what can he give you and what you can give? The best relationship with other ones with the coin theory is where you give the kind of value that you extract back. So ask yourself, what can my strange father? And so again, just going back to what's a good relationship. A good relationship isn't where I give everything and I get nothing in return. So it's not, you don't have to have a deep relationship to have a good relationship. You have to have an accurate relationship to have a good relationship. So ask yourself, what can, what can I give to my strange father? What can he give me back? And make sure that you put him in the right box and act in line with the box that you put him in. So it doesn't have to be a deep relationship, but it's got to be an accurate relationship to be a good one or to be a healthy one. Uh, joking Atheist says, if I don't like my friend's partner, I just kidnap them and terrorize and torture them for two weeks until they run for the hills. I mean, that's perfectly healthy, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty normal. Yeah. <laughs> but I like, I, like, I like this compartmentalization you're talking about, Doctor, and extracting something uh, from someone, people need to know what the rules of engagement are at all times. But people like, I feel like I have a problem with, I feel like statements. I'm sure you agree with me, Gareth. Oh. If someone comes with feelings and, but what is, what do you want from me? Not by yeah, what but, do you I feel. Mean, yeah, but come on. I mean, doc, you'll stand up for the, the feeling crowd here. Cause we've been bashing them since the start of the segment. That's, and the, yeah, feeling, that's the feeling crowd, I mean, like relationships, a lot of, the start of relationships is that butterfly feeling. It's that immediate attraction. I mean, those feelings direct a lot of decisions people make, good or bad. 
horniness sure. that, that can change everything in the beginning. Yeah, but like rules of engagement need to be like clarified. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, the thing is, think about it. I mean, how many times do we go shopping when we're hungry? And then what do we end up buying? Nobody buys the, the lettuce and the tomato when they're hungry. Uh, we buy all the, all the, the fats pie. and the carbs. Exactly, yeah. the immediate gratification stuff. So that's why you shouldn't be shopping for a partner but when you're emotional because naturally you're going to meet somebody that is the quick fix. You're going to meet somebody that makes you feel nice right now, not necessarily something that is valuable to you in the long run. So the same thing with the shopping for food. Remember, when you're hungry, your, your primitive brain kicks in and the thinking brain, the long-term planning brain just shuts down. You can't think about four days later when you're hungry. You just think about right here, right mm. now. And when you're mm. feeling sad, anxious, frustrated, lonely, you're not thinking about who's going to be right for me in four days' time, in four weeks' time, in four months' time, in four years' time. You're just thinking about who's going to take these feelings away from me right now. Now, mm. right now is very different to what's right for me later. So you shouldn't be making emotional decisions. Now, to your point, Gareth, people still do. Of course, we... Yeah. We eat with our eyes and we eat with our mouths. We eat with our ears and we eat, you know, we eat with our senses and we fall in love with that too. So people fall in love with things that, with people that make them feel good. But what people are attracted to is not necessarily what's good for them. What people are attracted is naturally what's familiar to them. So familiarity is attractive. What about, uh, and we don't have a lot of time for this, but it's it's something that I often have conversations with people about, uh, friends, family, um, you know, what, whatever it is, uh, different levels of emotional need. Um, some people are very emotionally needy. They need constant kind of connection. Uh, they feel deeply about things. They, 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 they are extraordinarily like passionate about every single thing to do with relationship x or y or z and then you get people who are emotionally a lot less needy let's say uh is is the negative way of looking at it there, there are such settings in everybody's system right like everybody has a different level of emotional requirement for sure for sure so we actually in relation we work with temperament temperament if I could define it in a sentence, it's really the energy that you put out into the world. So, you know, some people are very highly temperamental, which means there's a lot of energy. You, they walk into a room and you just feel their energy. like They're just spinning. And the people mm. with low temperament that, uh, you know, you, they walk into a room, you don't even notice them. So the mm. higher the temperament, the more you need to eat, the more you need to drink, the more you need to touch, the more intimacy you need, the more you need to love, the more you need to talk. And the lower, the lower temperamental people, they need less. And interestingly, they opposite complement each other. So the highly temperamental person will naturally meet somebody that's got low temperament, believe it or not, because they one pulls the other one out of their comfort zone. Because if you have two Tasmanian devils in the same room, it's absolute mm -hmm. chaos. And if you have two people with low temperament in the room, well, nothing much happens. So you need mm -hmm. the one to kind of bring the other side out of the other. That's an interesting thing. You see, I didn't expect that from you. Um, that actually, in this case, opposites really do attract. So, you know, someone who's got lo low emotional need will probably find themselves attracted to someone who's very emotionally needy. Uh, it's a lot of navigation, though, that's required. There's, there's going to be a lot of conversations about why are you ignoring me? Uh, why Absolutely. Are you not, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
sensitivity. That's a great point, Gareth. You know, it's like, and I see this all the time. The thing that connects you is the thing that you conflict about the most. So the thing that allows you to love each other so much and connect you and bind you are the things that you argue about the most. Right. There we go. We're going to have to leave it at that. All right, Doc, fantastic to have you back on. And we will see you in a week's time, Dr. Hanan, everybody. And everything's going to be okay. Cheers, Doc. Uh, You can also uh, send us your questions. Maybe you want to get in touch with us. Uh, If you want to stay anonymous, you can do that too. Contact at cliffcentral.com. We'll pass on your questions to Dr. Hanan. Cliffcentral.com.